Oh, shit. It's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. And I choose a player prop for the upcoming Thursday night game. Tarek and Trey debate each side of the over-under. Tarek, heads or tails? Tails. You know what? What does it say? You it know what? It looks like I literally cannot see. I think that's heads. I can't see it what says it says. Heads. It says heads. That's the important okay. thing. Um, I'll be Trey today. <laughs> yeah, John's Trey today. Once hey again. Guys, I'm Trey. All right. Give me the ball, Mitch. Give me no, the ball. We got Trey and Tarek's fighting Dallas Cowboys versus Taysom Hill and the Saints today. Or t- I guess it will be today when this episode comes out. Uh, it is in New Orleans. The spread is plus five for the Saints. And that's a home dog in prime time. But, uh, John, you said you want the ball. So the question is, the prop I got here, uh, Zeke and our guy Pollard. Both have a very similar over-under on their yardage, so I'm asking which guy you got in this upcoming game, Pollard or Zeke? Oh, man. Most Pollard yardage. Looks, Pollard looked really good on Thanksgiving. Uh, I I got to think on... Well, it's it's not even a short week. It's like it's a full week, Thursday to Thursday. I, I don't know. I'm going to go with the hot hand. I'm going to go with Pollard. He looks like the better back. He's like the less expensive back. He's the less exciting one, but... Uh, he's, he's, I'm going to go with the hot hand. I think Pollard's the guy to go with this week. All right, Tarek, defend your guy, Zeke. Yeah, you know, logically, John, I would agree with you, uh, but Jerry and Stephen Jones don't operate by logic. Hmm. They operate with the full sunk cost fallacy in mind. <laughs> um, so the other side of this coin would be Zeke. And, you know, basically what the coaching staff came out after last week and said you know, we may give Zeke a little bit of a rest. And then a couple days later, Jerry Jones was like, nah, he's going to take on a big load, you know? Ooh. Big load. Uh, Real big load. <laughs> so um, I think Jerry Jones has ultimate power uh, in that in that room. So I think Zeke is going to get a lot of touches, like more than we're expecting. I'm not sure he's going to be particularly effective with them, but he's probably going to get all the cracks on the goal line, which is why I would think Zeke is the preferred fantasy option. Yeah, and I pulled back up the uh, the over under since my phone crashed right when we were doing that segment. But Zeke's over under is forty six and a half, and Tony Pollard's is forty four and a half. So, oh man, is that total yards or rushing? That's yards? just rushing. Yeah. Um, oh wow, that's interesting. So, so Vegas, Vegas don't know. Well, Vegas, if you if you look at total yards, I'm sure Vegas thinks Pollard is the guy uh, this week, catching them passes. Um, catching the passes so it's interesting that they're really close in rushing yards it's reminding me that sports betting isn't allowed in the area that i'm located so that's a shame (laughs) okay yeah i mean look you know uh, the the structure of the segment uh requires me to lie if i go second um so i mean ultimately i agree with john i actually if i had pollard and zeke on my team especially in a ppr league i would start pollard this week and sit zeke uh, I just you think like wouldn't start them both. Uh, no, I, I would. I I think that's probably hamstringing your upside if you start both, uh, especially against a really good Saints run front. Um, so given that Pollard is the healthier one, he's the one with more juice, and he's the one that's going to get work in the passing game uh, in a PPR format. I definitely prefer Pollard to Zeke this week. But John, you're wrong. So I know I'm always wrong. That's the John, rules. Yeah, sorry, man. That was <laughs> terrible. You're wrong. The rules of the Long Game Dynasty podcast is John loses. I'm sorry. I don't make them. I just follow them. Hey, not 
not this week uh, from halftime. So we'll we'll get into that Uh-oh. in a little bit. Finally. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuya. With me, John Alexander and Mitch Yates. Trey, slacking, still in Boston. I mean, is he even part of this podcast anymore, y'all? I literally haven't seen him in two weeks. I don't know if he exists. Yeah, I haven't even heard from him. I, I've read a few texts, though, so I think he's doing okay in Boston. We miss you, buddy. Apparently, Trey has something like, I think it's called a job. Um, no, couldn't so be. He, That's yeah, be he's, terrible. He's, he's doing some kind of work thing, but hey, hopefully we'll get him back next week. If not, you know the three of us are going to hold it down. So, Mitch, what's going on, man? Just another day ready to record this pod. Didn't think about anything to talk about when I rolled in and I know John's feel the same way. So, uh, let's do it. (laughs) All right. We'll get into dynasty content very quickly here, but John, what's going on with you? Normally I do a player prop, but I'm going to skip out on that today because one of our loyal listeners, Kyle had a baby just yesterday on Tuesday and I just wanted to shout him out. And I know that he's not going to be sleeping a lot. So I know he's going to be listening to this podcast on repeat. So let me just say it over and over again, Kyle, we love you. Good luck with the baby. Is Kyle okay? Well, I assume. I've only heard from him in the same way you've heard from Trey, through text. He seems like he's still alive. After having a baby. That's impressive. Yeah, shout out to Kyle, but really shout out to Kyle's wife, <laughs> who, <laughs> yeah. who did physically have the baby and is doing well. Uh, okay. So congrats, Good Kyle. To hear. Uh, congrats, yeah. congrats I, I should have clarified. Kyle did not birth a baby. That's true. Yeah. Congrats to the whole Bell family. Uh happy uh for y'all looking forward to meeting the new baby all right so uh, i guess we'll just get right into it i mean john doesn't want to do a college player highlight i don't want to talk about smus so you know (laughs) no they're getting a new coach but they're getting a new coach right yeah Yeah, that's exciting yeah that's okay so (laughs) cut let's let's reset here what we do during the season on a weekly basis is each of us on the show kind of hone in on two insights that we extracted from the previous week of football. And these insights are intentionally geared toward gaining an edge on your league mates in your dynasty league. So, and I will get us started. So first insight from the week 12 slate, Jalen Waddle is wide receiver 11 on keep trade cut. And I love it every week. I feel like we talk about the reactivity of keep trade cut. And while it is often absurd, it can also be an asset. Like it's so fast that sometimes the smart manager should be able to parse when it's overreacting toward a correction and when it's being predictive. And I think for Jalen Waddle, it's being predictive. So let's imagine Jalen Waddle, who, by the way, is your current wide receiver 11 in PPR. Let's imagine he keeps pace with what he's doing through the end of the season. That would mean he breaks the rookie reception record. He'll go over a thousand yards and he'll settle in around seven or eight touchdowns. Even if you adjust that for 16 games, that's a better rookie season than AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, 
C.D. Lamb, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin. I could go on. Basically, these are all receivers that had really good rookie seasons, like who hit benchmarks that we really want to see moving forward in dynasty leagues. Now, the scary thing is for Jalen Waddle, I don't think he's been fully unlocked yet. He is a downfield weapon who's just been a short area PPR monster thus far, which has been great in PPR leagues. But I mean, I'm thinking about when he starts getting those intermediate and downfield targets and I'm drooling. So when everyone starts reflecting on the season that we had come January and February, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Jalen Waddle is going to be a wide receiver one for nearly everyone. So uh, I'll talk the talk and walk the walk. He is my wide receiver 10 now. He was my wide receiver 17 as late as yesterday. While I was preparing for this segment, I moved him up again. I would trade Terry McLaurin for him. Debo Samuel, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin. I'm all in. I'm all in on the buy high hype here. I offered John this morning Chris Godwin for Jalen Waddle. So I'm serious about this. What do y'all think? Well, let's just put some context on that. So I've got Godwin as wide receiver 11 and Waddle as my dynasty wide receiver 14. So I've got them in the same tier. And I don't hate it. I don't hate the wide receiver 10. Uh, I've been high on Waddle since we started doing this thing back in January. He's sure. my wide receiver too, all the way through. And what I expected him to do was take over that wide receiver one job from Will Fuller. And I expected him to do it in 2022, but it's come early. Uh, Parker's been injured. Fuller's been non-existent. So he's done everything that you want a rookie to do. Later on in this episode, we'll talk about what we don't want, what the opposite of that and what we don't want rookies to do. But Waddle has steadily progressed through the year. And I don't think that's a hot take to say that he's going to be a wide receiver one in the offseason. My only concerns are what are the Dolphins going to do long term? So I don't think Fuller's on the team next year. I'm not, I guess Parker's on a five-year contract. Do they bring in another guy? Um, Does that affect Waddle at all? But I think in PPR, the way he's winning is he's getting nine, 10, 11 receptions and he's sprinkling in. Uh, t- one or two touchdowns every game. So he's been very consistent, and I don't think it's a hot take at all to put him at wide receiver 10. So I'm all I'm all aboard with you there. John, you asked what the Dolphins will be doing next year, and I think other than struggling, um, they, they might they might actually fill in the, the spots that they're missing here at wide receiver or running back or who knows, but I don't think that matters, man. Like, Waddle's getting dealt to by Jacoby Brisket, and he's doing just fine. He's doing incredible. Um, I am late to this party. I think, yeah, Waddle is way too low for me. Um, when you guys were talking, I'm looking at my ranks. And honestly, oh, it feels weird. But I think I'm probably going to have to get him up to about 12. Uh, that's right behind DJ Moore and right ahead of Chris Godwin. I think he's right there. Uh, I-, I couldn't agree more. Like, it's very impressive what he's been doing. And... Uh, I'm I'm glad you guys brought it up because I I think I've been sleeping on them. So I reference these kind of like benchmarks uh, and Adam Azer uh, last summer, he's of uh, CBS fantasy. He did some really interesting work on like what you want to see from wide receivers in their rookie year. Um, And he essentially looking back over the last 10 years, he found that when you have a guy that gets you know, over 800 yards and a certain amount of receptions. And 
it basically, if you get the AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin type season, which is like 800 to 900 yards, a handful of touchdowns, a handful of big plays, it's very rare that that receiver does not hit essentially over the last 10 years. So um, I'm sorry I don't have the specific numbers right in front of me, but what I'm saying is that Jalen Waddell, of all the players that I listed, not only does he have the best statistics or he's on pace to have the best statistics out of all those players, he also has the most elite draft capital of them all. This is a guy that was taken sixth overall in a loaded 2021 draft class. So uh, I, I just think for me, I, it's easy to see keep trade cut when it's being hyper reactive. I think it was a little bit like that with Elijah Moore over the last couple of weeks, but it's also important to find out when keep trade cut is being quick to the trigger in a predictive way. And I think this is predictive. I think like when we get to the off season, people are going to look at what Jalen Waddle did and everybody is going to have him at least top 15, if not bo- like wide receiver one. Um, so I'm just, I just want to be early to that party. I'm making offers for him everywhere, but people in those leagues in, in your leagues, they know what they have in Jalen Waddle. So it's, 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 it's a tough buy for sure. Okay, John, uh, let's move on to your first insight. So I want to talk about another rookie and this is a guy that's kind of burst on the scene earlier in the season and then kind of took a step back, uh, due to injury and then burst on the scene again this weekend, and I'm talking about Elijah Mitchell. And Elijah Mitchell is kind of a meme on Twitter because uh, everybody's like, what are you going to do, spend all of your fab? How much fab are you going to spend on Elijah Mitchell? And I I was one of the people that spent all of my fab on it. And everyone's like, oh, you're going to spend all your fab. That was in a redraft. In redraft, of course. Yes, of course. In, in Dynasty, you probably got him in the third or fourth round, which is an important, important point uh, that we're going to bring up in a second here. Uh, the question is, well, before I get to the question, let's just kind of set the table here. If you if you drafted him, you likely got him in the third or fourth round because Trey Sermon was taken before him by the same team. Uh, so Trey Sermon was the hot name. We we were guilty of that. And then Elijah Mitchell was like, yeah, that's a guy you could pick up at the end of the third round, which is where many people got him. If you're on a if you're if you got him and you're a contender, you're really happy. He's probably a league winner right now. My question today, my insight, what I want to dive into is what are we doing? with Elijah Mitchell if we aren't a contender, if we know we're out of it? And that might seem like a silly question. Y'all know that I'm a fan of Dynasty Nerds, and they've got an article up right now. I read it this afternoon. They said, and I don't remember who wrote the article. I apologize for that. But in the article, it said, there's no question that Elijah Mitchell is an RB1 going forward into future years. And that kind of just got me scratching my head. Maybe hmm. I'm jaded. Maybe I'm I don't a know about that. <laughs> got a lot of questions. I got, I kind of got the feeling that maybe he's not, and it's got nothing to do with him. If we think about like 12 months ago, San Francisco, we were talking about Raheem Mostert and Jarek McKinnon. And then if we look, go back to the offseason, we were talking about Raheem Mostert and Jamichael Hasty. These were the hot names. And now we're talking about Elijah Mitchell. So it really has nothing to do with him. I believe in the talent. I've seen it. He's an excellent running back. But these San Francisco running backs tend to turn over. And so what my feeling is, and I want to see if you guys agree, is I feel like I want to cash in. I want to sell high on this guy as soon as I possibly can, get what I can. And I'm not sure what fair value is, but uh, I hope we can parse that out. So what do you guys think? Is this a time to sell high or is this a guy that you should keep on your roster going forward? Oh, if you're not contending and that was uh, that was the question here. Yeah, you got to get him out and you got to know what he's worth, though. 
So, uh, like you said, he could be a league winner, and that's the price that you have to accept to to trade him. But at the end of the day, holding on to him is not a very very good idea. I I don't agree with Dynasty nerds on that one. Um, I shenanigans all over again. Like Elijah Mitchell's draft cap, what fifth round? Um, and fifth, yeah, fifth or sixth, I think. Yeah, sixth, sixth I round. Believe, yeah. yeah. And like again, I agree with you too, John. Like he's been balling. He looks really good, but that doesn't mean anything to me, especially in that system. It this is kind of like the the new age uh, Patriots running backs. Like when one's when one's booming, now's the time to to sell at high value because I don't think he's going to retain that going into several next seasons, as they said. Yeah, I I, I definitely don't think he's anywhere near touching RB one value in dynasty. I have him as kind of like between mid-range and low-end RB2. Um, and yeah, I think he's good. Like, he's definitely fast. Um, and he, you know, he's got some power to him despite his size. But, um, and, you know, I want to give some context to the Hannigans because before he was in San Francisco, he does have some history of investing and a running back over several years, you know, even a late round one like Alfred Morris, Devontae Freeman was drafted in the fourth round. So these are running backs that when he was an offensive coordinator, he did invest in over a couple of years and he clearly likes Elijah Mitchell. So I think if you're contending, just ride it, you know, he's going to help you win. Yeah. I think if you're rebuilding the, the advice that I would give, and we talked about this a little bit in our group chat is make sure you're trading him for a highly desirable and liquid asset. So I think he, a, a mid first, I think that's completely fair for Elijah Mitchell. I think you can get that for Elijah Mitchell for somebody who's trying to compete right now. And I think that's an asset that's just going to keep rising and rising. And you can use that asset to get, you know, another piece that you really like. Like what we talked about in our group chat was like, would you trade Elijah Mitchell for Travis Etienne? So I want to kind of steer the conversation toward that because it was really productive conversation. I would not because I think at least half of your league is terrified of Travis Etienne. Um, And unless you're somebody who deeply believes in Travis Etienne, so maybe like Trey, who's not here, he could justify that on a rebuild. But since I'm, I, I don't, really know if I'm believing in his recovery or his situation or his coaching staff. So I, I would rather trade Elijah Mitchell for an asset that's desirable to everybody in your league. So uh, let me just color that a little bit and say that the reason I brought that up in our group chat, and it was like the first iteration of this segment, was when you, and we keep referring to Keep Trade Cut, so I just want to say thank you, Keep Trade Cut, for being free and for providing the, your yeah, resource. Yeah, great tool. It, yeah. You're awesome. Um, but on Keep Trade Cut, these two guys are valued the same. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important note. So I think you're right. Like half your league probably doesn't care for him because that's the way it's going to be. Uh, but you, ha- we have to recognize that Travis Etienne is younger than Elijah Mitchell, and he has that first round grade, so he's got an extra year on his contract. So, right. um, I, I think it's a reasonable question, but I think you're right, also right that uh, that at this point, Etienne is definitely a dice roll, and you should target a more stable asset. I think that's smart, and a mid first, if that's what you go for, that's pure profit. So it, it, yeah. it almost doesn't matter what the value is of Elijah Mitchell, you're going to pull pure profit and that's winning dynasty in the long run. 
For sure. And I think the way that the question went in the group thread, it was John asked if you would trade Elijah for uh, ETN straight up. And Tarek just said, no, absolutely not. And I was like, yes, I would. And I think that's what kind of sparked this conversation here. So I think Tarek and I both came to the agreement that we would want more than just a straight up trade for if you were acquiring ETN. But at the end of the day, so our rankings, John, you have Mitchell at 23. Um, I have him at yep. 29. Uh, Tarek, you have him at 25. And ETN. And he, he, he's, he needs to be more like 18, 19 for me. Yeah. Updated that. No worries, man. Um, and But just, just to go on from that, though, um, I, I, I actually look at ETN as a more stable asset. And I look at him that way because he's already hurt, so he's not going to get more hurt or anything like that. Right, right. I right, think right. that he'll have hype going into next year uh, just because he was a first-round draft pick. And it doesn't really matter what Robinson does this year. He's actually having a worse year statistically than he did last year. So if anything, yeah. we should be more encouraged if you were a fan of ETN in the first place. So yeah. I think his value is, if anything, going to go up. So... Uh, as where Mitchell, like the second he loses the hot hand, I feel like that just nukes his value. So I'm still a yes on ETN here. I completely get what you're saying. I think the important distinction is thinking about real life league dynamics insofar as trading Mitchell for ETN is trading an extremely hot and liquid piece right now for a piece that not everybody in your league is going to be into. So you have to be a believer in ETN to do that, in my opinion. That's all I'm saying. But I do agree with you insofar as like ETN, at least his value on ranking sheets like keep trade cut, it's not going to necessarily go down. Um, although when the 2022 prospects start entering in, he might. But we'll we'll see. I'm just saying like trade the hot asset for a very movable and liquid asset. And I don't think ETN is necessarily that for a lot of your league. Um, but I think there's a lot of common ground there. So it was a good it was a good conversation. All right, Mitch, let's go on to your first insight. All right. Well, I I think Zeke Elliott is a pretty fascinating and polarizing player right now. And right now is December 1st, 2021. And despite all these warning signs, we kind of talked about him earlier. I'm going to advocate making a push to trade for Ezekiel Elliott uh, if you need some extra juice for your playoff run. Uh, we talked about trading for him earlier in the offseason, like if you were a contender, uh, specifically. We did raise the red flags. Uh, he has more touches than any running back since uh, he was in high school. John brought up some crazy statistic. Um, he's standing right there on the edge of the age cliff, just just toes over the edge. Like, with all those touches, you know, you know he's there. And now we have a couple new ones, like Pollard getting more involved and looking like the faster running back. Um Zeke has those nagging injuries, and Tarek mentioned it earlier. Uh, Jerry Jones was one second saying, oh, man, we're going to let him rest and heal. And uh, the next day, he's like, just kidding. Uh, he's going to shoulder the load. Uh, but statistically, Zeke has only had nine rushes in each of the last two games. So he had six receptions, but that's not typical Zeke work, right? So here's the deal. He's practicing in full right now. Um, and he is a big part of what the offense does in, in Dallas there. And he's sitting firmly at running back five in standard and seven in PPR. And this is what he does every single year. Like, if you need a reliable fantasy point machine that can help you ride your way to the ship, like, he's your captain. 
if you're trading for Zeke, I believe you have the high ground. It's common knowledge that 2022 and beyond is at least an uncomfortable topic for a Zeke manager. I mean, like we said, the dude's 100,000 mile warranty has expired. And if that manager right now is packing it in for 2021, I think deep down they know they should trade Zeke away. And that might give you that slight discount that I'm looking for. So here's the trade I swung in our listeners league today. And uh, we can discuss value if you want. Um, I received Zeke and uh, Ryan in our listeners league received Rondale Moore and Khalil Herbert. Now, I feel pretty good about it. I don't know. John, what do you think? I think you stole Zeke. I would never steal. I think you did because I and I, I happen to like Rondale Moore a lot. Um, but you essentially traded what, maybe the wide receiver five or six of these rookies, probably wide receiver six of these rookies and a backup for Zeke. Now, Zeke, you, you said that you're making a push this year, but the reality is he doesn't have an out an out in his contract until after next season. Like he's gonna be around. He's not gonna just drop off the face of the planet. Now it might be like a Todd Gurley situation where he's more like an RB two, RB three next year. Pretty but sure you, he's, he's off the planet, but he, yeah, but he's st- Zeke is still going to retain value next year. So if you're gonna make that move, it's not like it's this. It's all or nothing this year. It's still like you've got a window here, and if you want to move him for less value later, you can. So I think he stole Zeke. I don't hate it. I in in principle, I don't like trading for aging running backs just in general. Uh, but I also don't have a lot of championship runs, so maybe that's part of my problem. <laughs> maybe maybe if I traded for Zeke a few more times, I'd have a few more championships. Uh, I, I like the idea, and if you can get him at a discount like I think you did, then yeah, I, I love it. But I'm not, uh, I wouldn't give up any draft capital for him. I think the way you did it with players is the way to do it. He's not worth any draft capital. If you can just make straight swaps, act like it's a redraft league, then yeah, I'm all aboard. So, I mean, essentially, this is uh, insight that says if you're a contender, go, you know, go poke at the Zeke manager. And I think that's completely reasonable. I think Mitch, as a contender in our listeners league, giving up Rondale Moore and Khalil Herbert for Zeke is extremely reasonable. Um, you know, I don't think Ryan got hosed or, or Zeke got stolen there. I, I think it's a pretty fair deal considering that Ryan is probably kind of looking more toward 2023 now with that move. But all that being said, you know, if if I am a contender and a Zeke manager, I'm actually hoping that they limit Zeke over the next one or two weeks so that he can be healthy for this playoff run when he's playing the Giants, uh, the football team and the Cardinals. I mean, all of them, though, I think the football team, their their defense is rounding into form and in Arizona, uh, you th- they have such a good offense that it. It can, you know, hamstring a running back, but Zeke, he still gets a lot of passing work, like Mitch said. So I think he's a great uh, contender target. And I think if you're a contender, it's clear you don't have to give up a lot of, you know, high premium assets like Rondale Moore and Khalil Herbert. I like both of those players, but if I'm a contender, Zeke easily there. So I, I think you did good. Yeah, it didn't feel good, like losing those players. Rondale Moore is, I mean, the very good and very young and like i said zeke is just tippy toe on the edge right now and like i don't necessarily agree that like zeke's just gonna be a-okay next year yeah i think that like he might be cool for like six games next year or something like that and start tapering off or something i mean the guy's got to slow down eventually right 
So like, I know I purchased like, uh, the waning moments of his fantasy, like superstardom. And that's okay because John, that's kind of how you have to win some leagues. Sometimes you got to make that push. Please educate me. I have no trophies. <laughs> Look with what we're, with what we are seeing with all those 2016 and 2017 running backs right now, I am sincerely hoping that the era of the workhorse running back is more or less behind us. Like I want a running back that's going to get 60% of the volume, but stay healthy. Yeah. Right. Like absolutely. Christian McCaffrey getting 90% of the volume. This is what happens. Like even a freak like Derrick Henry, he's on pace for almost 500 touches and his foot snapped. Right. So, I mean, I don't, obviously we try to fade injury concerns and all that, but I'm hoping that Zeke remains relevant by Tony Pollard getting more and more involved. I think if you're a Zeke manager, you want to see Pollard get more involved because you want to see Zeke last for a couple more years. That makes a lot and, of sense. You know, yeah. He's he's still owed a lot of money, so he's he's going to be relevant next year for sure, maybe not a superstar. He's got an out in his contract after 2020 after the next season, so I at see least next year. The Cowboys give him the ball 100 times a game and take me to the fantasy ship, guys. I don't know what you're talking about. Feed him. His, <laughs> 1. His 1. Whole 1 move, yards per carry. His whole dance move is feeding himself. Feed the man. Doesn't he's he have got a, a tattoo? tattoo? Yeah, he's got he a tattoo. A fucking tattoo. He's got a horrible <laughs> tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mic check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. So uh, we are now 24 and 24 overall. Ooh. So we're right at that 500 under sharp rating, just completely mediocre. Sorry, guys. Um, That's my bad. You know, I mean, I do have to brag a little bit. I, I am nine and three on the year on these halftime picks. Wow. That's Mitch good. is seven and five. That's good, too. And John and Trey is, are, are four and eight. That's pretty bad. Uh, so. Pretty bad. But hey, John, John, you finally got a pick right this week. Uh, you so. know what? I, and I've changed my process. So you watch out. I'll, I'll explain <laughs> it in a moment here. Oh, please tell me it's the pick opposite process, too. <laughs> that did, that one didn't work, as you might recall. Oh. <laughs> All right. And just as a reminder, in our halftime segment, we each pick a game against the spread for the upcoming week. And then I place a parlay on that pick. So, you know, because we're 24 and 24, just intensely mediocre, it bears repeating. We have hit two parlays which means money-wise, I'm in the black for the rest of the year. So who cares? Let's just lose every every week. Let's do All it. All right. Yeah. You know, I keep moving the goalposts between caring about the parlays and then caring about the overall record. Whatever suits me, that's what we're going to focus This is focus true on. Cowboys so, fan fashion right exactly, here. This is, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <yes>. All right. <laughs> I'm going to give my halftime pick first, and I got the Chargers plus three at Cincinnati. Cincinnati, they look like a good football team, professional operation. You know, Joe Burrow's doing good. Joe Mixon is lighting the world on fire, and their defense is much improved. So the line makes sense given that the game is in Ohio. I just, you know, I like getting a reasonable amount of points back in a game that I feel is a toss-up. So I feel if both the Chargers and the Bengals are playing at their full potential, and neither often do, they usually kind of fuck up every once in a while but if they are playing at their full potential i think the chargers are overall a better team so i'm just going to take the points here um what do you think Mitch? i don't i don't know both teams are just so 
wishy-washy like one week yeah, they're hard they're amazing hard yeah. the next week like just awful so I, yeah taking the points is the right is the right play i guess yeah i i like it i don't love it that that was the okay uh, 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 so. yeah. i can i can appreciate that all right john let's do you next Yes, please do me. Uh, what I picked was uh, I, I picked a hot team, and so I picked a hot home team in the Miami Dolphins. Now, Miami looked like dog shit for the first half of the season, but the last few weeks they look legitimately like a good team. And we talked about Jalen game win streak. Yeah, and we talked about Jalen Waddle earlier, and he's a big part of it. Tua is looking good. So uh, they are. What are we? We got three points against the Giants, and the Giants might be without Daniel Jones. So. I'm going to go ahead and pick the the Miami Dolphins here, and I hope that Daniel Jones doesn't play because their defense is actually not bad. Probably a low-scoring affair, but I think they'll win by more than three. Okay. They're at home? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I can I can dig that. Uh, I, I like the Dolphins. Uh, at, I mean, at home uh, against the Giants, you know, warm weather, warm weather versus the cold weather, you know, come on. They're, they're on a four-game win streak, you said? Yeah, the yeah. Dolphins aren't going to have a five-game win streak, dude. And they're they're going to have a five-game win streak because they're going to win by exactly four <laughs> points, or they're going to win by exactly three and a half points. Look, one I of those two things is true. I don't know anything. I participated in no win November, and that was me picking against the spread in our halftime. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up. We're gonna do uh, no dice December, where I uh, miss the next four picks. Um, I'm going to take, uh, and, and you know what, in order to do that, you have to pick the jets. So I'm taking the jets plus six Boo. and a half at home against the Eagles. Why? Cause I'm a fucking idiot. That's why fly jets fly. Ooh, you're fly just, jets, you're doubling fly. down on that Zach Wilson trade. That's what you're doing. Look, no, honestly, I'm taking the points at home. The Eagles looked awful last week. Um, and the jets are again, one of those like wishy-washy mostly bad but like can can keep a game close and so six and a half is enough points for me against the struggling eagles i think yeah the the jets have beaten the Bengals and the titans this year so they've they've got some interesting wins um i mean yeah also jalen hurts is a little bit banged up like he's got a sore ankle so you know maybe if he's not running around as much like i don't hate it and let me uh, give y'all Trey's pick. It's short, it's sweet, and I love it. Here's what Trey says. I want Rams minus 13 versus Jacksonville. What Trey said is, quote, that game should be 30 to zero, end quote. I love it. I think it's great. What do y'all think? I think the Rams are going to be mad after getting their butts kicked by Green Bay. So, yeah, I'm on board with that. You know, I, I love it. I agree completely, but, you know... Wouldn't it be wild to just see Jacksonville just go kick Sean McVay's ass? I wouldn't know what to think, honestly, because the Rams have looked so good and this three game slide like you can't punctuate that with the loss to Jacksonville, man. That's true. Yeah, they're on a three game losing streak, but I I think no, I dude. think I agree with Trey here. This is a this is a this is a blowout. Um, there's going to be a lot of. Trevor Lawrence is about to be QB five in this rookie class after he gets sacked 14 times by Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right uh so to recap i chose the chargers plus three at cincinnati trey's got rams minus 13 at home against jacksonville john's got miami minus three at home against the giants and mitch is taking the jets new jersey as six and a half dogs at home against 
the Philadelphia Eagles fly Jets fly. All right, let's kick off this second half with our second slate of insights geared toward gaining an edge on your dynasty league mates. And I will start. And this insight is less of like a quick hitting insight and more of like a reflection on process. And it's about Terrace Marshall because Terrace Marshall Jr. was a healthy scratch last week for the Carolina Panthers. So I figure it's a good opportunity to reflect on what we liked about him. And if there were any warning signs in his profile that could have helped us make a better decision about Terrace Marshall. So what we liked about Terrace Marshall, he has that size, the like the size that was kind of lacking in this class. The early breakout age of 19.2 and a solid college dominator rating of 33.4% in an LSU offense that included Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, who are wide receiver one and wide receiver two in Dynasty. I, a Matt Harmon stand, particularly like that he charted pretty well in college on reception perception. He showed an ability to beat man and press coverage on a consistent basis. And Harmon called him potentially the best contested catch prospect in this class. And another thing that we liked about Terrace Marshall Jr. coming into his rookie year was that he got drafted by his former college offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, for the Panthers, who we think of as generally a good offensive mind. So what were the red flags for Terrace Marshall Jr.? Those red flags were largely medical and character concerns, mostly both of which we try to train ourselves to consider as secondary and tertiary concerns. Above that, the red flag that I saw was that his production profile was heavily weighted by touchdown production and that if you looked at his yardage, it consistently fell below the regression benchmarks that you want to see each year out of high school. But it was easy to explain because of a fractured foot that took away a big chunk of his 2019. And then he was dominating market share in 2020 before he opted out of the COVID shortened season. So those are what we liked. Those were the red flags. What are the lessons learned? And this is going to be a little unsatisfying maybe, but I think the process was pretty good on Terrace Marshall. There was reason to like him as the wide receiver six or so in this rookie class because look, once you got past that point, you're in the Kadarius Tony, Diami Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Amari Rogers tier. And the only one of those players that's done anything is Tony. And like his his production and his profile was just a pile of red flags. So there, you know, I think like overall it was fine to have him wide receiver six or so. Now there was a lot of people with Terrace Marshall ranked ahead of guys like Elijah Moore. Rondale Moore and a lot of people who were heavily invested in analytics solely preferred him to guys like Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith. Ruh-roh. You know, no nobody on this on this current pod did. I think Trey had them in this in, in the similar conversation. So maybe we'll have to ask Trey about that had later. Rondale Moore and Terrace Mars- Marshall in the same tier, but not in the same tier with those guys. Right, right. So Elijah and Rondale Moore, I think they had better overall profiles than him, you know, and then Waddle from, you know, when I talk about Elijah and Rondale, I mean like analytic profiles. Now Waddle had absurd draft capital and a clear edge in athleticism. And he also had some injury reasons at Alabama that capped his profile. Devontae Smith, he came in with a record-breaking senior season. He had those elite separation skills that Matt Harmon was touting on reception perception. And he had the elite draft capital with, you know, 10th or 11th overall whenever he went to 
uh, the Eagles. I think a holistic approach that takes into account not only production and draft capital, but also some healthy talent evaluation, whether you're relying on that from other sources or you consider yourself a tape grinder yourself. If you take that together, I think you should have had Terrace Marshall ranked behind Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore, and Rondale Moore. I wish Trey was here so he could kind of give us a little bit more insight as to why, but what do y'all think about these lessons learned or not learned from Terrace Marshall? Well, I, in some sense, um, we, we can say, well, it's not our fault because we don't see these guys except on film. We expect the NFL scouts to be able to do their job. And when you take a guy in the second round, what you're saying is, I expect you to contribute right away. And in a sense, that's exactly what happened. They had him lined up as the third guy, and he looked like the clear successor to Robbie, Robbie Anderson. And I kind of alluded to this earlier. What you want to see from rookies is you want to see increased production as the year goes. He started off looking great. Like, okay, this is exactly what we want to see. He's on the field. He's running snaps. He's getting some catches. But it's gotten worse as the year goes on. And I don't think we can take the blame for that one. Something happened. There's something that they're not telling us. Maybe it's injury related. Maybe it's not. They said he's a healthy scratch, but that just seems kind of ominous to me. Uh, But... I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the process we used. I think we had him right where we should have had him. And some kind sometimes guys just bust. Like we've been really we've been really lucky the last three years. There haven't been a lot of busts. There's been like Nikhil Harry at the top of 2019. There's been Denzel Mims, who was kind of in the same range as Terrace Marshall. But by and large, there hasn't been a huge bunch of busts, but that's been kind of irregular. So we've been spoiled, but I wouldn't say the process has been bad. Um we maybe we should just not trust the Panther scouts quite as much. Maybe. I mean, everything was laid out for him, right? Tarek laid that out too. like go into his old coach, old offensive coordinator. That should be a slam dunk for your guy to get on the field. And like John said, it's ominous. It's weird. That healthy scratch is such a big red flag at this point in the season. Yeah. Like if it was early on or whatever, who cares? But yeah, I think where we start to have different opinions is what to do with Terrace Marshall right now. Yeah. And I, and this is something we talked about, but we can expand on that. Um, I personally think that if I spent and what should likely be what pick 13 or 14 or 15 in the rookie draft around that range, if I sunk that cost into that fallacy right there, like if, (laughs) if I drafted him right there, um, I basically can't get anything for him right now, in my opinion. And so, like, it's like I might as well just hang on to him and hope that something good happens, perhaps. Like, because Robbie Anderson isn't good, um, and nobody else is really doing a whole lot other than DJ Moore. So, like, conceivably, he could, through injury or through something, get back on the field and increase his value. He could also have maybe some offseason hype or something, but... Probably not. I don't know. I think you're just kind of screwed because bust is seeming like uh, what the situation is. Yeah. I mean, look, you're getting to the point of the season where you kind of know where picks are going to end up in your league. So I think if you can get a late second for him, just, oh, my God, smash the accept button for sure. Yeah. But, you know, an early third is, I think, where me and Mitch disagree a little bit like I would sell Terrace Marshall for an early third just because God that healthy scratch at this point of the season I I think that cements him as essentially the next Denzel Mims the next the next JJ Arthago Whiteside like I I'm 
I'd rather have a high third that is at least some somewhat liquid than the roster clog of Terrace Marshall on my uh, roster. And, you know, I mean, Mitch, we talked about this before going on air and I don't hate your position. I, I just think it's extremely likely that his 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 values completely dead. It's possible. And I mean, maybe he could be used as a throw in that is worth a little more than a third. Sure. I just sure. like for me, I'm not willing to just take the minimal, which is that third round pick. Like your your point is valid, too. Right. Like you're saying I'd rather have something than nothing. And you can have infinite draft picks, but you can't have infinite players. I, I totally get that. But I just think that his value has at least another chance to grow a little bit. Right. That That's are you taking a late second for him? I yeah. I'm taking a late second, but I mean, okay. it's it's still not really you kind of know where picks are right now, but not 100 percent. So, OK, John, what about you? Do you think an early third for Terrace Marshall is reasonable? Well, I'll say that we all are in the breakout league together and oh, he is on me and Trey's roster. I personally would. Uh, I'm not sure. What if Trey would be willing? But I th- I've spoken with Trey about Terrace Marshall, and he's he's about ready to cut bait as well. <laughs> so I think any offer that came for Terrace Marshall, we'd probably just go ahead and smash accept on that. Hint, yeah. Hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know, guys like Tony, Jeff, Abby, or Leo, if you're listening, come get Terrace Marshall from come John get him. and Trey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, John, let's move on to your second insight. And this is one that I wanted to do uh, last week, but uh, we we took the week off for Thanksgiving last week, and that was very nice. I did miss you all, of course. Uh, but and luckily, this guy he also took the week off because the Cardinals had a bye. And of course, I'm talking about the tight end for the Cardinals. And I'll just point out that before the season started, we said there is no fantasy fantasy relevant tight end for the Cardinals, and there was Max Williams, but he got injured, and then they brought in this guy, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, and he's been with the Cardinals. Week 7, week 8, week 9, week 10, week 11 had Wilt last week off. In that time frame, tight end 3 in PPR. He's averaging 13.5 points per game in that time. And he's only behind Travis Kelsey and Andrews. Uh, so it's wild. I, yeah, so you can sense what I'm about to say here. I'm going to go tell you to go buy Zacherts. No, I'm going to tell you the, the exact opposite. Go. <laughs> this is your window, folks. If you've got Zacherts on your on your roster, if you're contending, if you're rebuilding, whatever, now is the time to sell. You've got a nice little window here. Here's why. Only two of those games, week seven, week eight, were with Kyler. Who knows what kind of relationship he's got with Kyler Murray at this point. Dude's been injured. He may or may not be playing this week. And in those two games, one game was a big pop. It was the first one. He he got 16 PPR points in that game. And the second game, dud. The three games without Kyler, two duds, followed by week 11. The most recent one, the one that's most popping in people's brains right now, 28.8 PPR points for a tight end. Is that is that crazy or what? Yeah, Colt McCoy just peppered him that game <laughs> that's as far as he can throw it man point him alone <laughs> and i'm using that 28.8 ppr points to move zacherts off my roster as quickly as possible this guy's 32 31 years old um the tight end position tight end positions volatile this year like I, it's more vol- volatile than i could possibly remember it zach Ertz in particular very volatile so in those five games two pops three duds if he's on your roster Presumably you're a contender. Like, otherwise, he wouldn't be on your roster, right? Uh, 
And if you're trying not to necessarily win- because he might have been like a waiver wire guy. Sure. Or, I, I don't know. I mean, probably not waiver wire, but I think he could very well be on many rebuilding rosters. Well, but go ahead. He's also right. on some pretenders rosters where they thought they were contending and right about sure. last and, week and they seen, realized. I, I went through I went through my leagues and that, that was very much the case for many of them. Like they've got Zach Ertz and they're like, ah, oh, Zach Ertz. And that's that's what I want to capitalize on here because of the name brand. But Zach Ertz is very volatile. I already told you five games. Two pops, three duds. You don't want that. You don't want three duds in the playoffs. You don't want one dud in the playoffs. So what I'm advocating for is if he's on your roster and you're contending, let's make a move. Uh, let's make a move for something more stable. So if we look at keep trade cut, we're talking about the range of Dalton Schultz or uh, Hunter Henry. Those are less sexy names that I think you can make a move for. Like Zach Ertz still has, is he still a name brand? He still carries that value. So you might be able to make that move straight up. If you're a rebuilder and Zach Ertz is still on your roster, keep trade cuts, got him about in line as Irv Smith. Or if I can get any kind of second round pick, I'm making that move in a heartbeat. I'm Smash. Gonna, and I would have said this last week, but we, we they had a buy. So we've got, we, we had a little extra window here. So if you're listening to this right now, I try to get this done as soon as possible because this weekend they're facing the Bears who have a p- top 10 passing defense. Another Ertz dud is well within the realm of possibility. Probably not going to pop this week. So if you can make that move, if you can get him off your roster, now is the time to do it. Uh, you know, I I almost love this, John. I, I don't know. Almost. I almost, I almost this, like if you don't love it, you hate it. Mitch. The problem That's where is we're at right now. The problem is there's not enough tight ends to go around. And like if you're contending and you don't have one of those top guys like Ertz could get it done. Now, you talked about Max Williams. He was looking really good surprisingly in yeah. in this offense and they they've been using the tight end more and so with uh with all the ailing wide receivers in in Arizona right now too Hopkins I'm not sure he's when he's going to get back um and if he's going to be even like 100% before the playoffs they seem to be just chilling and content with that right so man I don't know I I feel like Ertz could help me in the playoffs if I'm contending and I'm in a shitty situation. He could help you, but also I think if I look at the text of what John is saying here, I agree with all the recommended moves. I agree with trading him for Dalton Schultz. Yeah. I agree with trading him for Hunter Henry, who, you know, Mac Jones is dealing right now and he's looking for Hunter Henry in the end zone. So uh, I, I, I agree with that. I think Hunter Henry could help just as much given the amount of duds that Ertz has had so far, like John so eloquently articulated. Um, you know, I, I think if you're a rebuilder, like John said, a second or, you know, a guy like Irv Smith is a, is a smash every day, all day. Um, so, you know, I don't really have much to to disagree with here. But I think the common ground that I can find with Mitch is that I do think that Ertz carries some value here in the next couple of weeks. And that if you can't get a trade done to get like a better or more stable tight end, he's not the worst option to have on your contending team. And plus like 32 is like 29 in tight end years. So he'll be fine next year, probably, maybe who knows max williams won't man if you saw that injury <laughs> i think he should just stop playing now if you, if you all if you're listening at home and you don't know mitch is actually a doctor yeah doctor this, mitch. Is, this is true especially if <laughs> i see a knee injury man i, I could see all the ligaments inside Ugh. it's like the worst kind of x-ray vision 
look, clearly if you if you can get 28 PPR points of value out of Zach Ertz from a trade partner, you do it. Um, and, and I like all the recommendations that John made here, uh, but I agree with Mitch. You know, like he can help. Um, so, Mitch, let's move on to your second and our final insight of the show. Cool. I wanted to spend this insight with you guys. I want to, like, spend this segment hashing out exactly where we are valuing Javante Williams heading into the last quarter of this season and, like, into 2022. When I mentioned in our episode planning earlier this week to Tarek and John and Trey about, hey, guys, I think I want to talk about Javante. Uh, Tarek clapped back at me like, why? Everyone loves Javante. And I think that's exactly why we need to talk about this. Uh, How much do we love this guy? And is it even possible to get him on your roster? Because that seems to be the issue here. So, for example, I have him ranked at 9, Tarek 9, John 12, Trey 14. I mean, maybe. He's been in Boston for a while now, so (laughs) not 100% sure. Um, And I thought we were being a bit bullish, but no ma'am. Keep Trade Cut has him at running back 4. Uh, seems weird to be behind the market when we all love him. So I guess this is one of those examples where a keep trade cut is being predictive instead of reactive, right? Uh, this rank has to assume that Melvin Gordon isn't there next year or soon, right? And Melvin Gordon's 28. Is he really scaring us that much anyway? So seems like it is according to our ranks. And I don't think he should be. So uh, and say Melly walks and they bring in a new running back too. I don't know. That shouldn't be too concerning either in my opinion so this might be the jonathan taylor effect jonathan taylor for the colts was having a very javante williams s good but not great season until week 13 last year when he exploded right and if there was any time to strike a deal now would be that window in my opinion for javante if that manager hasn't locked the door to that completely but we'll get there um melvin's a little banged up right now so we might get a little sneak peek of javante without the training wheels but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we see the timeshare until the year ends. And is that what we're hedging for? Um, that's, that's something. There's something holding us back. So we talk about being the first of the party and uh, on this show, and we're fashionably late, late as fuck. So I want to know from you guys, like, what else do we need to see from Javante to push all the chips in? And if we do need to see a Kamara Christmas-esque game, wouldn't it be too late if we see something like that? So... Yeah, I, I don't know, guys. What do you think? And am I going to ask the question? How much you love him? Uh, what is the most you would give up to get him? And what is the minimum you would trade him away for? That's it's a it's a tough question, but I've landed on not n- not necessarily that I would actually make this trade, but the va- value wise, he's got to be valued as the same as two first round picks for me. Um, that would be in league with Christian McCaffrey at this point. That would be slightly less than DeAndre Swift, but definitely in that later half of the RB1 conversation. Because I'm assuming, like you said, I'm being predictive that Melvin Gordon isn't going to be stealing touchdowns because for me, the only thing Javante Williams hasn't done is scored a bunch of touchdowns. He's done literally everything else. He's gotten the yardage. He's gotten the opportunities. He looks like a solid NFL back. And he's catching a lot of passes too. So even in PPR formats, he looks like every he looks like he's done everything that I've expected him to do to this point, except score touchdowns. And so I'm still waiting. I'm expecting it to happen. But to me, that's worth two first round picks or equivalent. I mean, I, I think if you're gonna sell Javante Williams for two first round picks, 
Me, I want one of them to be in 2023 and I want the other one to be a top five pick in 2022. That's like two first round picks is it it's low to me at first blush. If like buying Javante Williams, that's a lot harder for me to articulate because I think like if I'm going to buy him, I want to essentially like trade out of Javante Williams. So like what I've tried to do in our in our show league uh, with Tyler, who's probably listening, I've tried to trade him Jonathan Taylor for Javante Williams and a first like every week. And he's not <laughs> biting because he's rebuilding as well as I am. Like Jonathan Taylor is amazing. And I think that's what I'd want to get back from Jonathan Taylor, like to buy up into Javante Williams is really difficult because look, he's running back four on keep trade cut. Everybody who has him knows the potential of what he could be. If Melvin Gordon leaves the reason to answer an earlier question that you asked Mitch, the reason I still have him at running back nine, like, look, yes, it's a hedge on if Melvin Gordon resigns in Denver, I think they could get him on a reasonable contract. And I think maybe they don't want to give Javante Williams the lion's share of the work. Maybe they like having this 50-50 split. The other thing is, is I think Javante Williams has been amazing on his touches, right? But I don't know yet if he is at the talent level of an Alvin Kamara. I don't know yet if he's at the talent level of a Christian McCaffrey, of a DeAndre Swift, you know? And that's what would get him into that top five for me. Like, I need to see him have a couple of games like that. Not Christmas Alvin Kamara, like you said, but I need to see him do some great things over the course of at least two or three games to get him into my top five. And, you know, that means I'm going to be late to the party. I have him in a couple of leagues, so I'll just rest my laurels on that, you know? Sure. And I, I guess it's just for me, it's tough to, to to figure this out. Like, what is an effective way to get him on your roster? And I really think that you you just have to you kind of have to overpay. And yeah, you, like, do. you do. That's just that's just the way it is. But I don't think it's too late to overpay because whatever this overpay is going to be, if he does hit that, like, you know, top top three running back type of potential like if he if he hits that then your overpay now is just going to be a regular pay you know all right mitch so would you would you pay jk dobbins in a first round pick for javante williams yeah i would i think i would yeah and and so so i would i would probably i would probably go the other side of that i like if i had javante williams i think i'd be comfortable trading away javante for a first and dobbins in a startup I, I think like a 2022 startup. I think that's another exercise I wanted to look at here. Like he he'd be in the what conversation to be an early second round pick if Melvin doesn't resign, right? So if Melvin doesn't resign for sure, late first, late I first, think. and so like we're talking about paying um a, a running back like J.K. Dobbins, who you're probably going to get in like the what late second, and a first round pick and a rookie first round pick for a guy like that, like. If I look at it through those lenses, then like, yeah, I, I'm going to take that late first round running back or early second round running back. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think like J.K. Dobbins and Javante Williams, from what I've seen, I think they're similar talents. And, you know, I'm not that worried about the ACL injury for Dobbins. So like getting the first 
is chasing asymmetric upside for me because Dobbins and Williams could be similarly valued in a year. Like it's very projectable that that could happen and I got an extra first out of it. So that that's where I'm coming from. But I think that's the kind of thing you would have to do. Or like I was saying, come off of Jonathan Taylor for Javante in a first. Tarek, you put me in a really interesting conundrum in one of our leagues. You offered me Javante Williams for Austin Eckler. And on the face of it, I wanted to smash that so hard. But it's like I'm trying to win in that league. And Austin Eckler is RB2 currently in PPR formats. But like, I think some people might take that. Like, even though he's RB2, he's 26 years old. And Javante Williams is much, much younger. So that's kind of where the threshold is for me right in that range. And if you could pull that off, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wag my finger at you. Like if you say, yeah, Austin Eckler for Javante Williams straight up, I think that's a pretty good trade if you can get it to work. Yeah. And I, I love that. I, I really do. I think that the most important part about the segment, the, the, this whole bit about um, Javante here is that when you ask somebody like, what do you want for Javante? They're going to, they're not really going to have an answer. You're going to have to send offers like we're suggesting to to land him because like the the manager probably doesn't know because they probably haven't thought about him leaving their team because that's somebody you build around. So I bet you the manager because the manager I bet is not actively searching to trade Javante away from their team. No, no, no. I mean, the thing is the the other other thing I want to say kind of as an emphasis here is if Melvin Gordon re-signs with Denver, holy shit, I am going to be buying Javante Williams everywhere because people are going to panic. Oh, yeah. They're going to be like, oh, we're going to have to wait another year in this 50-50 split and I'm going to be buying the living shit out of Javante Williams if that happens. Because if that happens, Javante Williams is going to go from late first, early second in a startup to more like late second, mid third and smash there like john brought up javante williams right now he's literally the youngest running back in the league like and he's good so he's a premium asset like i you know i think again we found a lot of common ground here but i want to say as an emphasis if melvin gordon resigns immediately that should signal buy to you well the hedge is a fun gamble then in a way because it's like hedging to hope that melly signs again knowing that your price is going to be cheap as hell for uh javante well not cheap as hell but way cheaper than it is right now yeah yeah not a bad dice roll Tarek. not bad like we've been saying all year we think javante williams is going to start making noise the second half of this year if Melvin Gordon resigns, like I think it's it's gonna be to be Javante Williams, like one B. Like Melvin Gordon's been one A this year. He has been. He's been the first on the field. He's been getting more receptions and he's been getting more red zone work than Javante Williams overall. I think that's gonna flip next year and Javante Williams is gonna shine. So um I'm I'm excited if Melvin Gordon resigns because I'm gonna go on a buying spree. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> All right. That is going to do it for episode 33 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We will see you next week. Later. Adios. Adios.